Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. And today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the chapter, There is a Solution. And we're on page 24, the fourth paragraph, when this sort of thing, thinking is fully established, ending with so many want to stop but cannot on page 25, and that's one paragraph only. Um, And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Adrian N., for the 12 traditions, Naomi G.B., and reading the text are Judith S.P. and Loretta H., and our backup is Bonnie B., the newcomer greeter is Katie G., and the host of the second hour is Karen K. The reference numbers for Monday, August 29th, 2022, 7 a.m. meeting is 19,339. That's 19339. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 1,000, I mean 19,340. That's 19340. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Adrian N. to read the 12 steps. Star one, Adrian. Okay. Yes, there this you is are. Adrian. Um, hold on, I I can't seem to hold the phone and hold the book at the same time. Hold on one second. Can I be heard now? Yes. Okay. Twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory 
and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Adrian. Okay, I will now ask Naomi GB to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Naomi GB, gratefully recovered in Ontario, Canada. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you very much for the opportunity to do service this past month. Thank you, Naomi. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 24, the fourth paragraph, when this sort of thinking is fully established, reading that one paragraph only. And I will ask Judith S.P. to begin reading. 
Good morning, and thank you for your service. My name is Judith S.P. from Maryland, greatly recovered for today. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. And the reference at the beginning of the paragraph is the absolute, twisted, mental obsessive thinking that comes before, during, and in the midst of my picking up the food and focusing on the food as my God. Um, And the word that jumped out at me uh, to begin with was probably. And probably is uh, referring to something as it is likely true And the fact that this is a total lie to myself and has been for most of my eating career is what has driven me into the point of mental, physical, emotional, and physical deprivation. And as they later refer, the the choices, whenever I have a choice, to go one way or another in any decision that I make. And now, of course, my decisions are made with God. But when I make a choice, I have to live with the consequences and or the outcomes. And here they're telling us that if one chooses to have insane thinking and have incredibly bizarre reasons why it is, quote, unquote, okay, to undereat, to overeat, to throw it up, to go on exercise binges, whatever it might be, there's going to be one of two choices. Either I'm going to die or I'm going to be permanently insane. Whether permanently insane means I'll be locked up or not is very questionable in 2022. But, and die might not mean that right now or in the next coming years I will deteriorate, be buried, cremated, whatever whatever goes with my leaving this earth in the, from this body. But the point is when I came into program in 2014 and then recommitted in 2021, I was spiritually dying to the point where I was taking my last breaths. And... I didn't know it at the time, but something inside of me allowed me or opened up the door to Overeaters Anonymous, which has been, through the grace of God, my entrance into a new fourth-dimensional way of living. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being, and I will claim that as my own that I don't always live in the fourth dimension. I forget about my spiritual fitness at times. And when I do, 
when I do, my thinking gets insane, and I don't ever want to go there again. So thank you for letting me share, and have a wonderful day, everybody. Well, thank you so much, Judith, for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this uh, fourth paragraph on page 24? Heidi from Minnesota. Heidi? Ken W.H. Bonnie B. I'm sorry? Bonnie B. Barbara G. Barbara G. Barbara G. Rick J. Lee H. Lee H. Take one or two more. Okay, this is a good lineup. I have Heidi, Ken W H, Bonnie Linda G. Okay, Linda D. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's it for this group. Okay, Bonnie G, Barbara G, Rick J, Lee H, and Linda D. Okay, Heidi, you're up, followed by Ken W H. And please uh, give me your last initial if I got it wrong and uh, what state you're from. Thanks. Go ahead, Heidi. Or is it Bonnie? I guess I think I got Bonnie mixed up with Heidi. So go ahead, Bonnie, and then Ken WH. And it's Bonnie B, not G. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. This is Bonnie B from Minnesota. I'm gratefully recovered. I'm starting my timer. And once again, thank you. Thank you for the great um, um, intro also, Judith. What an amazing paragraph um my first thought is but god that's all i could think about as this was being talked about but god but god um lord knows that i had tried everything but god and by everything i mean everything um on page 31 where it says here are some of the methods we tried i've got a list i've got a list boy but god and even when i came into um vision i still tried a lot of things with God. God was the add-on, and that was a problem for me, because in the end, it had to be but God. It couldn't be the tools. It couldn't be the food plan. It couldn't be the sponsor. It couldn't be the Zoom meeting. It couldn't be anything but God, and so this is the most amazing revelation, because when we put, when I put God intentionally at the first of everything that I do, when I connect to him first thing in the morning, ahead of everything else, what does he do? He keeps me safe and protected. Um, it is a spiritual death. It, it, it didn't necessarily present itself physically in me like it does in some other people, but it certainly was a mental death in me. And I know that eventually it would have been a physical death in me. And everything was connected to the spiritual. God was an add-on. I had a relationship with God, but God was still an add-on. There were all these other things on my list that I had to do. And it always started and ended with me. And and what I've come to understand by the grace of God um, at this point today, um, maybe for the next 20 seconds, because I still am human, is that the only thing that will deliver me today is God. It will not be any of the other stuff. It has to be God. But if I intentionally connect to him, and give him everything I've got today, 
he will deliver me and I will be able to live in that spot of freedom, which is the spot that I have wanted forever. And the goal of living there is to be of maximum service to other people. And so I am so grateful um, that everything about this program points us back to God because it is really only him if you have this disease as I do. There is nothing that will do it but God. And so with that, I will pass. And thank you so much for hearing my name today. Thank you, Bonnie. Okay, Ken WH, you're up, followed by Barbara G. Thank you, Katie. This is Ken WH, Recover Compulsive Overeater from North Carolina. This is uh, my most (laughs) encouraging part of the entire book. Um, We have reached what I call the great transformation. Um, This is total, utter despair. Uh, permanent insanity, death. Um, I mean, just total, total despair. Reach the end of it, and then, uh, spoiler alert. I mean, we can't help but not see what comes next. Um, that this great transformation. Um, music has always been a part of my life, and, and touches me very, very deeply at the core of my being. And uh, the lyrics keep coming to mind, and there is a song that uh, means a lot to me, and it, it has this lyrics: "What a great transformation!" And um, uh, just there's hope. Another lyric is: "There's hope for the old and the weary, and the, basically those who have been beaten down." And uh, I just. I'm just so excited about the the next uh, four words that are coming uh, in the next paragraph, but I'm not going to say them because uh, what we have is that from this paragraph to the next is just the great, great, great transformation. Um, And Bill uh, just makes it so dramatic by building us up to total, utter hopelessness, which I have experienced to uh, hope. Um, There is hope. And um, and just when I think that I'm going insane, as one song lyric said, I lay, uh, just when you think you're going insane, you lay naked in the rain. In other words, totally helpless, totally vulnerable, and that's what I was. And just then is when I was uh, the most open to God and God's grace in my life that is available to absolutely everyone. So uh, go lay naked in the rain, folks, and (laughs) let go and let God. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Ken. Okay, um, next we'll have Barbara G. followed by Rick J. Hi, good morning, Katie, and good morning, everyone. My name is Barbara G. from Paris. I I was enjoying so much the reading and the shares, and uh, I went back with my memories to when I started smoking at 12, 13, and uh, in a couple of months, I immediately started smoking one packet of cigarettes a day. And uh, another memory that popped up is uh, when I started drinking, I couldn't drink just uh, one glass. I had to get drunk when I was out with friends. And uh, these memories have come up after I heard the, sense, the the expression alcoholic tendencies. I knew 
I there was something wrong with me, wrong in the sense that I was different from normal people because I just could not have measure. I could not have balance. If I look back now to the journals I used to keep as I was an adolescent, I remember vividly how much I prayed God to have balance. Oh my God, if only could I have balance, of course, talking about food especially, because uh, as far as food was concerned, I was a binger since my early teens. And uh, I developed bulimia by by the time I was 20, a very critical form. And uh, as the paragraph we're starting today says, everything deteriorated, deteriorated to the point that uh, when at 21 I arrived to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I was binging and purging up to 10 times a day. And uh, that was, as 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 the paragraph says, and many of you reminded, insane, not just thinking, but acting. And uh, by hearing your share this morning, I heard a lot the word God. And uh, of course, uh, it's the only solution that I was thinking, how did I get to that surrender, but mostly to that understanding of uh, how can I be transformed by this spiritual awakening? How can I do that? I thought that intellectual understanding of God would suffice, and it did not. I thought that my fear of God would suffice, and it did not. But I have tried many years, and also in the last few years, I've been recovered in a vision for you for four years now. But in the first years, still these two were the driving forces of my And I am just starting now to feel and sense in my recovery something that is more authentic in terms of transformation. And I was thinking, how did I get that? How How did it come to you, Barbara? And the answer is one only, and it's the steps. It's the inventories after inventories. It's the daily practice of these steps through inventories, through 10 steps, through night reviews, every day. It's like I don't have any other cure to unblock me from this source of mine, of Time, us, of everything, than working these steps. And I am so grateful. Thanks for letting me share today. I'll pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Rick J, you're up, followed by Lee H. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Rick J. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina, but certainly not cured. Um, beyond human aid. Um, and I had to stop here at, at this point before I could go further into any kind of solution, because if I could have done this on myself, I would have. I would have fixed myself. Um, I would have repaired the damage. I would have uh, taken care of myself. I would have undone the things that uh, had led me to this point. And in my life, I I was sort of chuckling, you know, when I was hearing Barbara describe, you know, the alcoholic tendencies, you know, it's for me. Yeah. If, if it's, if it's worth doing, if, if it's given me something that's filling this hole, then I'm addicted to it. I'm, I'm just, I'm already in and I want more of it. And that's the part where, I really sense that beyond 
anything else in my life. You know, it's like looking inside of me and what's broken. What am I trying to fix? There's this hole there. And that's that beyond human aid. There's nothing that I can do that's going to fill that hole that I'm looking desperately for. I'm looking for some kind of connection that I can't provide on my own. You know, and Bill is a wordsmith. And, you know, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. That's what I think about when I think about beyond human aid. You know, I was, um, I also think of the, um, the event horizon of a black hole. And once, once you're crossed into that, there's no coming back. And I feel that beyond human aid, that's, that's beyond human aid. And, and that's really the visual that comes up with my mind when I think of beyond human aid is in the event horizon. I'm in this black hole and no, nothing can pull me back except for the grace of God. Uh, this God in my understanding, this power that I'm connected to, it has to be an otherworldly power, anything beyond myself or any other human being will not suffice. And I'm so grateful to be connected to that power, to be into the grace of God today, one day at a time, by just doing these spiritual actions that have been laid out and that we're getting ready to explore and go deeper in. You know, and even though I'm not I, dead, I, I was spiritually dead for many years and uh, don't have to live that way today. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. And Lee H., you're up, followed by Linda D. Thank you so much. This is Lee H. I'm um, a recovering compulsive, grateful, grateful overeater, and I'm from Tennessee. And uh, this this paragraph, I, I had to look up and see what was at the bottom of the previous paragraph about just the hopelessness. For God's sake, how did I ever get started again? And then what is the use anyhow? And it's just so sad. Um, I think about just how sad it is that I, I was at that point. Um, I couldn't figure out why in the world I was continuing to eat this thing that was killing me and, and then just feeling so hopeless. Um, but the, the thing for me is, is that I'm realizing now as I'm sitting here back in Tennessee, I was in Colorado last weekend for a wedding and, uh, I was, I feel like it was a test for me, um, you know, I'm not cured. And so I could see that there was a lot of conversation and a lot of eating and drinking going on around me. And I felt very different. And um, I just knew that I needed some some encouragement. And so I'm so thankful that I made calls and I did my work. I did my morning review. I prayed during the day. God did protect me, and this program does work. And it's 
I know there are lots of people out there that are in the spot where they're going, how did I get here? What happened to me? And that crazy thinking is still going on. And yet there, it just keep coming back to these meetings and hearing these voices of people who have overcome it. Yes, there are legions of alcoholics who have, have died, but then there are thousands more that, are convincing and demonstrating that but for the grace of God they would have been there too but God has delivered them from this disease one day at a time and so I'm really grateful to be here and I'll pass thanks thank you Lee H and Linda D you're up and then we'll open it up for more shares. We're on page 24, the bottom paragraph, when this sort of thinking is fully established. Going over to so many want to stop but cannot. Go ahead, Linda. Can you hear me, Katie? Yes, I can. Good morning, everybody. This is my first meeting back. I'm um, fortunate that I'm alive. Um, okay, how can I say this? I'm in a skilled nursing facility, and they've been trying to um, determine what the heck is going on. And what the heck is going on is a um, undetected uh, urinary tract infection that makes you crazy eventually, and it keeps recircling. And now they're giving me antibiotics, and so for the first time in since I came to the hospital, I feel normal. And I have much work to do. I'm so grateful. The only thing that has kept me um, recovered, although I certainly didn't sound it to people I tried to call before today, um, the only thing that kept me recovered is my uh, wonderful God. This program works. It works under circumstances I could never have imagined, where the food plan is nuts. I did everything I could to eat clean, everything, all the time. And that came from within. So I will come back when I can. I have to go to um, physical therapy, and I might have to go, like, as soon as they come in here. I will listen. I will come back as often as I can. I'm so grateful for the prayers of my friends. I love you all. Please keep coming because this works under circumstances I never even knew about. I've never even been in a hospital since I was a kid. So I didn't know that a UTI makes you crazy, let alone that it was undetected. It does, and it becomes undetected, and your food goes bizarre. The only thing that kept me going was God. All by it, him, her, self, within me, it kept me going, clinging, clinging to no sugar, no, because they don't understand here. They, they, their regular food plan is bizarre and their regular routine of life my routine must include 
all the things that I'm learning now. So I look forward to coming back. Thank everybody for their prayers, and I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Okay, so now we'll open it up for more shares. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. Um, so who would like to share on this fourth paragraph on page 24? Nessa R. Here, uh, Kathy C. Christina J. Karen K. Karen K. Karen K. Kathy S. Here, S. Maria Kathy, G. I got you. I'm sorry, I can't hear um, very well. Karen, Let me... Maria. I can't hear you. Okay, um, here's who I have. I have Nessa R., Kathy S., Christina J., Karen K., I think Maria, and there was someone else. Sheer F. Darian? Okay. And Darian K. Okay, let's see. Um, I think that's a good lineup for now. So let's. We have Nessa R, Kathy S, Christina J, Karen K, Sheer F, Maria. And Darian Kay. Go ahead, please, Nessa, followed by Kathy S. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, um, beyond human aid. Um, obviously, I am powerless over food. I could not, for over four decades, stop myself from eating and change myself into a person who didn't want to eat. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't have footwork to do. You know, as we say in the rooms, I do my uh, footwork and I surrender the outcome to God. Um, you know, uh, I'm powerless, but I'm not choiceless. And my choice is to become entirely abstinent, withstand the discomfort of that abstinence before I recover, because abstinence is uncomfortable, and work through the steps until I come out the other end to recovery and abstinence is no longer um, uncomfortable at all. It just is. But to me, this beyond human aid applies not only to the food, but also in every single area of my life. I have to do my footwork, but I have to surrender the outcome to God. And it's like, like it says in page 98, it says um, he clamors for this and that claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of reliance um, upon God. And, you know, this to me tells me that, yeah, I go to the doctors when I need to, and I need to follow their treatment that they recommend. Um, but my healing comes from God. Uh, the doctors and the science and the medicine aren't God. You know, God is God. And I just, you know, following their advice is just my, my footwork, but not the healing power. And this applies to everything else, you know, uh, putting reliance upon my, my boss to give me a check so that I can support myself. Well, that is just my work, it's just my, my footwork, but my sustenance comes from God, and if it's not from this job, it's from another job. And, you know, seeking security 
in material things or in people, you know, if only I had a, 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 a husband, if only I had, you know, um, money, if only I had a bigger house, if only I had this or that, you know, that is uh, putting reliance upon material human things. And I'm beyond all that. I'm beyond all that. I have to realize that everything that I need um, comes from God. Uh, and the transformation that we experience, that I have experienced in this program, certainly uh, brings that home in a very palpable way. And it's, uh, you know, it gives me a lot of peace of mind. It gives me tranquility, even uh, and equanimity more than anything. Even when situations get stressful, when the money is tight, when there's a fight with the husband. Time, please. Um, um, thank you. When things don't go my way, uh, I know that God is out there. Um, watching out for me and I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Kathy S, you're up, followed by Christina J. Thanks, Katie. This is Kathy S, recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. And um, yeah, like in the beginning of this paragraph, the sort of thinking that is fully established, you know, that thinking that it's not going to hurt me this time or no matter how much pain it has caused in the past, I can do it and I can have it with impunity. We all are familiar with that. And we talked about that. And, and, um, you know, and what it comes down to is like it says here, I have highlighted beyond human aid. And people have shared that we all have our own, I mean, a list of all the things that I've tried to try to help myself and I couldn't. And the truth about this disease is, is that it's it's relentless you know and and i have a i've been talking to people recently who have gone back in the food and and if i'm real honest with myself you know i want to help i want to offer a solution well this is what i did just do this you know but the truth is yeah i had to um be entirely abstinent and work the steps but I couldn't even do that much on my own. I was beyond human aid. And and this thread, this silver lining in this huge paragraph, but for the grace of God. I looked up the word grace, and the definition is unmerited divine assistance. There was nothing that I could do that brought about abstinence for me. Um, it, yes, it was uh, years of learning experiences and and in coming to the willingness of putting all this food down that, that was really tickling the allergy for me. But in the end, um, I had no power over that, had no control over that. And, and the timing, it was, it was truly divine assistance. And if a sponsor is to be real honest with herself, you know, and I've talked to other recovered fellows, there's nothing that we brought about to to have that aha moment or that that one that just when when we were just done, it just happened. And I believe that is the grace of God. Um, the fact that I should be dead, but I'm not, is is nothing but the unmerited divine assistance of God. And recently, uh, I was down with COVID. I couldn't work my program the way I normally do. And I couldn't have my food plan the way that I normally do. But here I am, you know, I'm not upside down. 
and binging and and in despair again because of the grace of God and God's power to protect me and to bring me back to healing. And I just thank you all for being there. Thank you for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kathy S. Okay, Christina J., you're up, and then Karen K. Morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of Washington. Oh, when this type of thinking is established, so, you know, 60-some years of that type of thinking. What was that type of thinking that nothing else would do it for me but the food when I got restless, irritable discontent, which I didn't even know those words for years. When life didn't feel right, where did I go to the food? Because that's the type of thinking that was established as a young girl. I learned that these wonderful, tasty, poisonous foods would make me feel better. So that's the way it was. I, that's my thinking. It's the baseline. No matter how hard I try, as many have shared this morning, I always went back to my baseline. But I have a new way of thinking today, and... That is only two years and one month old. I should say the thinking took a long time to get in. This new way of living took a long way to establish root in the mist, in my soul, in the mist of a disease that wants to eat. It's growing new roots in the mist of all that, and it's trying to get, along with God's help, allows me to choose the higher road, the road God wants me to take for healing. Yesterday, and for a while now, I've been extremely uncomfortable. This is a hard change I'm going through, and, you know, I still have my arms and legs. My heart still beats. I have my health, thank God. But, you know, it's all relative. We get challenged on many, many levels, each one of us. So going through this moving thing is still, we're still in the transition. We're still in the midst of it, and it's hard. I'm tired of it. I want to have a life. I want to stop living out of boxes that we've been living out of for two years. You know, and I don't, anyway, on and on. I could complain. And I was complaining last night. But you know what? Here's the miracle. This type of thinking has established itself enough in my soul, unmerited, like Kathy was just saying, the unmerited grace, the unmerited support. I was miserable last night. It was the pinnacle of my misery, complaining to my husband, but God held me safe. I didn't think of the food one time. I didn't go to the food. <clears throat> I don't know what to say except it's a miracle. This is what happens when we work this program, is we get that unmerited grace. He's holding us. We don't even know it. Even when we're in the food, God is holding us for this higher power, whatever you want to call it, love. Something wants you to live or you wouldn't be on this line. Something wants me to live and thrive or I would have picked up the food last night. So it's a miracle. You can make it. You can do it. Like many have said this morning, there's that moment when we're able to put it down and we're able to move forward in action towards continued recovery. Yeah. One bite is not an option. Thank you for letting me share my passion. Thank you, Christina. Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Sheer F. Good morning. It's Karen Kay, a recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. Wow. Um, this is this. Well, this whole chapter, this whole book is 
all about um, for me is that reliance on a higher power. Everything's on loan from God. This meeting's on loan. Um, my husband's on loan. My friends are on loan because God's in charge of everything. And um, more, the longer I am in OA, the more I see. I didn't really understand what this statement meant when um, I heard it in a meeting. And, um, you know, we come in like the hundreds and we leave like the 99s. And I look at when I first came into OA and literally people either died or left uh, the program because this is disease thinking. You know, um, I think... um, Bill's being very gentle by saying uh, alcoholic and disease. Um, You know, when I walked in to my first OA meeting, I knew I was beyond human aid. And, excuse me, I remember hearing in a meeting early on when I first went to OA, about trying to rely on people. Of course I need people. But that reliance, that sick uh, dependency. Um, and this man said, um, I, will let, I will let people down and things will break. And people will let me down and they will break things. Not like break is a sense of breaking an item, but, you know, just not being able to show up. And I've been experiencing, you know, a lot of that. And I really believe it's... it's um, my God just holding me and showing me I'm here. I'm here. Um, is that the end of the day or the uh, beginning of the day? It is God. And developing that relationship. It's kind of like, um, you know, there was, I mean, even early on in program, when I was in my 20s, I would set a plate for God, you know, or a cup, a cup of coffee with God. And, you know, or tea time with God, there's, there's actually, well, I don't want to go any further with that. But actually, you know, it's a relationship. And I have to make sure that I don't move. Because when I move, I block myself from the sunlight of the spirit. And, and this whole, this this little nugget of a chapter is basically saying my thinking doesn't work. And of course, being abstinent, of course, I'll just stop with this. Of course, being abstinent allows me to see the sunlight of, of, of the spirit. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you for being here. Thank you, Karen. Okay, share up. You're up, followed by Maria. Good morning, everybody. This is Sheer F from New York, and I'm so grateful to have been on the meeting in time to actually share. So thank you. Um, Thank you to my higher power. Um, So I really identified with this idea of the thought of being, having to be locked away or, um, or go insane. And when I first came into program, I've shared this before, but I was at a party where someone had put out a tray of chocolates and I was chained to that tray. I could not move. I kept putting one after another in my mouth. I couldn't um, 
communicate with anybody at the party because I was only communicating with the sugar. And someone mentioned journals. All my journals from back then were, how can I stop? Oh, my God, I did it again. How can I stop eating the sugar? And at the party, I was saying to a friend who's a recovering alcoholic, I just need a rehab. I need to be locked away for a month, and then I'll be fine. Then I'll be able to handle the sugar. And she said, well, I don't know about that, but there's an OA meeting in town. And she was my Ebby, and that was 22 years ago. And I started OA, and I had lots of issues with a higher power, but I was willing to act as if and to find an image that I could relate to. And I was struck abstinent. And I was abstinent from sugar for almost a full year, whereas before I couldn't be without it for one day. So definitely it was divine intervention. And since that time, I've struggled to get to know my higher power, who I now call God, although it's not any of the gods that uh, I grew up with. But it's been truly a miracle around a little earlier than that time, I was in therapy for panic disorder because I couldn't drive over bridges. I couldn't drive on highways. I was becoming completely agoraphobic. And it was because I felt like I was responsible for everything in the universe and I was messing it up badly. And my therapist was like, do you really believe you're the biggest thing in the universe? You know, what's your what's your spirituality? Do you believe in God? And I was like, no. And she said, well, I think you might want to develop that. And I couldn't at the time because there was nothing I could connect with. But as soon as I found OA, I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And my weekly OA meeting was my church, you know, because um, the 12 steps just extract the best from all the world's religions and leave aside all the BS. And I just, you know, I worked it to the best of my ability. I had many years of abstinence from sugar. And then Time, a few years ago, <laughs> thank you, I discovered vision and people from vision that helped me deepen my relationship with my higher power. And I am so incredibly grateful. So thank you. Thank you, Cher. Okay, Maria, and please give us the initial of your last name and where you're from. And then Darian K. And we have five minutes. So Hi. I could split that. Go ahead. Uh, this is Maria G. Um, as in God. And I'm from the state of Louisiana. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. And this reading, um, I'm just coming off. Today's my second day of um, abstinence, uh, coming off of six weeks. Uh, after two years of being abstinent. But what I realized after reading and uh, being counseled by my sponsor is that the two years, all I did was not have sugar. But I worked around, you know, and I was in a, I had a an eye problem, me problem, ego. Um, I thought I could do this. I had control, you know, I tried to get in touch with a, a, have a spiritual, I do believe in, in a God and I do believe, but I just kept going back. That was my worst problem um, was that I, and then I had some um, 
dental work done and I couldn't chew anything, you know, and that threw me into, I started having carbs and that, you know, that started the cravings. And the part that I, I, I realized yesterday is that was a blessing. I was fighting it and saying, I can't believe I'm doing this. Now, I haven't done the sugar, but I did the carbs. So God has given me a view of what that's like. I don't want to go back into I was so afraid that I would end up touching that recreate what they call recreational sugar that um, would throw me back to and kill me. I knew it did. It killed my brother. So the, the God of my soul has touched me. And by the grace of God, I will get through today. And I want to demonstrate in my life what God has done for me and what God can do for others um, and and just live my life. Uh, it's not about the food. You know, they used to say it's about the food until it's not about the food. Well, I understand that now. It's not about the food. It's about how I live my life and how I serve God and uh, be the best Maria I can be to show people that um, he is with us all the time. He's, um, thank you. He's healed a relationship with my son, adult son. And so I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I've passed. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Darian Kay, you just, you have about a minute and a half. Hope you don't. Oh, that's okay. Can you hear me okay, Katie? Yes. Okay, good. This is um, Darian Kay, gratefully recovered and the Berkshires in Massachusetts. So grateful to be with all 452 of you. <laughs> um, and I'm just so be listening to you. And, you know, you are the grace of God, the role models of the grace of God in my life. Um, you know, testimony after testimony of how this program works, you know, and, you know, before program, I never believed that God even <laughs> would care an ounce about my food problem. Um, that was, it, he was for bigger things, peace, love, war, all that stuff. And today I know God is uh, with me every day, every moment, um, guiding me through all difficult times and joys and, and everything in between, the neutrality as well. Um, and I'm just so grateful, so grateful to have all of you in my life. And I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, August 30th, 7 a.m. meeting is 19,343-19343. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Loretta H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, everybody, along with my precious God, who is saving my life today and letting me do service this morning and for the month of August. Loretta H. recovered in North Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. 
if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with, with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults, him, and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.